Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallum. Industries for the Blind and Visually Impaired is a Milwaukee, Wisconsin-based organization with marching orders, a promise, and a mission for the blind and visually impaired. Their promise and mission includes growing and creating employment opportunities for the blind and visually impaired and being the leading voice for teaching businesses on designing, creating, and building accessible workplaces. Here to tell us all about industries for the blind and visually impaired are its president and CEO, C.J. Lang, and director of customer success, Deborah Ambro Crandall. We also have Industries for the Blind and Visually Impaired employee, Matt Baumeister here to tell us about his experience working with the organization. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hello, hello. Deborah, CJ, and Matt, tell us all about yourselves. I guess I will start. My name is Deborah Ambro Crandall. I've been with IBBI since 2016, and I am the Director of Customer Success, so I primarily work with our customer service team and our order processing team. Okay. How about you, CJ? Well, I'm CEO of IBVI, and I uh, consider myself to be very fortunate to be working for 20 years now for such an amazing organization. I originally came to the organization to develop a website that could be fully administered and managed by the blind, but then I also managed in other areas in sales, marketing, and business development. That's a lot of management experience. How about you, Matt? I came to IBVI in July of 2014, and I've been a production worker that whole time. Lots of management and production experience here. Great. Deborah, what's the mission, and what are the marching orders of IBVI? Now, the most important piece of our marching orders, which also tie into our mission, is to create and grow employment opportunities for people who are, who are blind. And I think what we really like to focus on as an organization is getting people in the front door, whether it's in a basic administrative role or it's in production, and then if they want to progress, we create um, training opportunities. We figure out kind of paths forward for people. So we're always looking to kind of get people to that next level of their career objectives. Um, we strive to provide cost-effective industrial supplies and great customer service to our customers. Um, a big part of what we're doing lately is being a leading voice to educate businesses on how to create an adaptive workspace. I think that's really important for people who are blind or visually impaired. Um, and, you know, we have a couple other marching orders, but those are probably the key kind of pieces of our mission. Okay, CJ. How does IBVI create employment opportunities for the blind? Well, I think uh, the one way that I have always tried to do is, is you know, I look to innovate around cutting-edge technology. 
but is also accessible to the blind. And I, I try to drive IBVI's mission to create superior customer products and services, and also at the same time, try to be a difference maker in people's lives as well. That's fantastic. Your organization creates its own manufacturing positions and distribution positions. It's kind of like a little factory and employs the blind yes. to fill these positions. Deborah, how does Industries for the Blind and Visually Impaired, how does the organization's employees make and distribute goods? And what kind of goods do they make? Ah, well, one of our most infamous products is the very famous military slash government pen. And we um, use engineers, so we work very closely with our kind of uh, overseeing agency, National Industries for the Blind. We work with engineers there to look at our manufacturing processes, to kind of look at the machines and the processes that we have in place, and they help us make sure that the machines are accessible to people who are blind or visually impaired, make sure that we are um, also efficient in our production because obviously we're trying to, you know, produce. So we make everything from the government pen, we make brooms and brushes, we do distribution and warehousing of products for the uh, Air Force and Navy recruiting and retention command. Uh, we also have a custom furniture division where we do design and we do furniture fixtures and equipment. So we have a, a full department with blind employees as well that uh, help to create furniture spaces for government customers. So primarily we just always look at whatever our manufacturing technique is, whether it's um, a machine or whether it's actually a hand process and make it accessible to people who are blind or visually impaired. That's really good. How do you all, how do you all make sure that the, that your manufacturing process is safe for the blind and visually impaired so that none of your employees get hurt? We, um, and CJ, you may want to speak to this. I think a lot of things we do hand in hand with our ISO specifications. Um, safety is obviously a big part of the standards that we put in place. And like I said, we work with National Industries for the Blind Engineers to make sure that the processes we have in place and the machinery that we bring into play is safe and accessible. Yeah, very well stated. Um, I would just add to that that we also have very stringent OSHA standards and regular visits by them as well. Um, safety is one of our highest priorities because we do not want any employee uh, to get hurt and we just, we insist on it in all of our facilities, in all of our office environments, anywhere that any of our employers are working, uh, safety is a number one priority. Now, we're in the coronavirus era, and there's also the practice of social distancing. How do you make sure that your employees practice this, even though they're blind? Very good question. Um, and we've got a whole team of management that we generally work and uh, meet every day. And we're basically following the Centers for Disease Control guidelines that are out there. But, but to your point, how do we make sure that in our facilities? And it's really every management staff and supervisor working with um, all of our staff to make sure they are fully informed 
um, there is so many changes that are evolving every single day. And so literally some of the things that we were suggesting as safety procedures and protocol uh, just two weeks ago are now changed a little bit or they may be a little different as new information about the COVID-19 virus comes out. We update everyone um, through either email um, or, um, or also we have meetings, uh, regular meetings, whether in production or in any of our facilities. We always have morning meetings to make sure that our employees are safe and have all the information uh, that they need. Uh, that's the latest information to keep them safe. That's very good. Um, let's talk with you, Matt. Let's talk about your experience as an IBVI employee. You've been a family member of IBVI since 2014. What do you do there? Well, I started out in the West Dallas plant on the production floor. My classification was machine operator, and I sort of bounced around from the home care department to the brush department to the tool department. When um, the West Dallas plants started their um, MMTS project for the Army, I was placed in that department whenever we had toolkits to do. So when the VSEC project came out, I naturally wanted to get into that because it was just a larger scale operation of the MMTS project. Tell me more about this project. We make toolkits for the Army by taking tools and placing them in toolboxes or giant um, crates that conform to a certain standard that the Army is looking for, whether it be an electrician's kit, a carpenter's kit, a mason's kit, a plumber's kit, any number of um, specialty variations, we provide the tools that would be necessary for somebody to perform most duties in that um, skill set. That's very good. That's really good. Um, so you've done all sorts of things. Um, Deborah, tell, give us some more of your organization's success stories. Talk about some of your additional best employees. I will tell you a story about um, somebody who actually reports directly to me. Her name is Danielle, and she started at our organization probably 12 years ago, and she started in our hand assembly, which is a, a you know, an entry-level position. Um, we have a lot of things where a machine can't do it. So she started there, and then she kind of worked her way up into customer service. And she then left our organization. She worked for another Ability One agency, and she also worked for National Federation of the Blind. And she had a move back to the Milwaukee area, and she is now our customer service operations manager, and she's doing a great job, um, excellent leadership, and I think she's got a really bright future. And we have a, a featured person on our website, IDVI.org, his name is Emily, and she's been with us for, I believe, two years now, and she has broken every manufacturing record out there. Uh, she runs uh, one of our newest brush machines, and she's a speed demon with super high quality, and she's amazing. So we've, we've got a lot of really talented, blind and visually impaired people at all levels of our organization, which is great. 
Now, CJ, how do you hire these blind employees to work for your organization? What's the process? Well, fortunately, uh, we have an excellent recruiter on staff that uh, works with our HR manager and also local um, organizations and other nonprofits that are in the areas of where our facilities are located. And so we work with the community, essentially, because there's a lot of um, resources that are available based on the communities that you're in. And so for us to find a direct link to people that are blind or visually impaired for these positions, it's not always easy. Uh, and, you know, it used to be that you put everything in newspapers or maybe you advertise on the radio. These days, uh, social media and other social sites and, um, you know, so many different things are utilized in order to get to the right people you're trying to find and hire. And so for us, it's it's really a collaborative, almost a community effort in each place that we have a facility where we need to work and make sure the message is out there, whether it's uh, print media, video, TV spots, radio ads, uh, any way that we can to get the message out there. And just recently, believe it or not, we had a campaign uh, that was actually called, Can You See This? And the whole point of it is was that we were having a hard time trying to reach people. And so we thought, you know what? Maybe in some scenarios, we're not going to be able to reach the people that are blind. However, if we can reach out to people that know people who are blind, they'll see the ads, they'll hear the ads, and they'll tell those people that are blind or visually impaired, hey, were you aware of IBVI? And that has been a really huge jump for us. We've started to reach out and get a lot more people responding back and knowing where we are in the community. That's, that's a lot of good promotion. Um, we're going to get more into how people can get in touch with you guys if they have any questions later on in the show. Um, but CJ and Deborah, I understand that Industries for the Blind and Visually Impaired is working with Oracle to use some very special technology and software on the job to increase the information accessibility for blind employees. What's this technology? Well, I can start out. Uh, the reason that we decided to use Oracle instead of a different organization uh, and software, because there's so many out there. You know, if you're talking about ERP solutions, there's so many. Uh, but Oracle had a dedicated team, uh, a dedicated accessibility team that was there specifically for that purpose. It wasn't just one person, but an entire team. And so they were, we knew that they were dedicated and to providing us an opportunity to have a solution that was not just game changing and tying all of our systems together, but at the end, when we fully uh, had our system go live, we were gonna have this accessible uh, for those that are blind and visually impaired. Okay, and I will say, I'm sorry, let me just chime in. Um, we are using Oracle Fusion. It's their cloud uh, suite of products for our ERP. And I am blind. I use um, JAWS Screen Reader, and almost my entire team uses it. And we found that, you know, nothing is ever perfect. We all know that. But we've gotten a lot of good support. We've gotten some good training. And Really, we found that all of our customer service and order processing reps have really gotten into the groove and they can now 
really expand the types of jobs that they might want. So maybe they don't want to stay in customer service forever. Now that all of our systems are housed in this one accessible system, if they want to go be an accounting clerk, you know, they can get the skills and maybe try to get that position. And I think, you know, we use it also for our shipping and distribution. We use accessible technology to pick, pack, and ship. So we're using it all across the, uh, the entire organization. And also at our 14 DFCs across the country, those are basic supply centers. That's really good. Um, so, um, Deborah, I understand that Industries for the Blind and Visually Impaired balances the job creation, the profitability, and the capital investments. How does your organization do this in user-friendly terms? Well, Steve is probably better to speak to this question than I, I will say what I kind of see as as an employee at IBBI, it seems to me like any time a capital investment is made, whether it's a new building, whether it's a new ERP software, I think that the vision of our leadership is it's not the immediate investment, it's how is this going to create, how is this going to tie back into our mission? How are we going to create more jobs with this investment? Obviously, we want to be a profitable organization, but those profits go back into technology, equipment, training for our staff so that they can truly get, you know, the, the skills that they need to go to that next level or to just be better at the job that they do every day. And I'll let CJ expand on that. Yeah, definitely. And I can just state as well that when we look for opportunities, it's, it's the first thing that we look at is not profitability, but rather uh, can it create jobs for the blind and visually impaired? That's number one. And then it just becomes a matter of, you know, do we have the investment ability? And is it also going to be profitable? Because if you don't have some profit, you can't feed the mission. Um, but really, it, it just comes down to job creation. And it, it can be more of the same that we're currently doing, which is a lot of different things, uh, a lot of jobs that we have, uh, we didn't have 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Uh, one example is is kitting operations that we've currently just gotten into in the last five years. Uh, we didn't even have that business, but when we realized that kitting uh, could be done very safely and efficiently and very productively, as we figured out, by people that are blind and visually impaired, then it was just a matter of, okay, can we get the contracts, can we make the investments, and what jobs can we create? And it turned out that there was uh, five or six different types of job opportunities that we were able to create. And so that's kind of a good look into it, if you will. Uh, we've been fortunate to have good contracts that have been profitable. So we have been able to put money into investments so that we have money for tomorrow to invest as well. And now it's just a matter of us continuing that cycle to make sure we're always following the same principles. And it's really just about all about job creation. So everyone, how do our listeners learn more about the work and apply for positions with Industries for the Blind and Visually Impaired? You can visit www.ibvi.org, and we have a very accessible website, and there is a link there where you can see all of our open positions under the Careers tab. Okay. That sounds great. Anything else you'd like to all add? <laughs> 
I, I could also just state for anyone that's in Wisconsin, we have uh, three locations in Wisconsin, uh, West Dallas, uh, Wisconsin, which is our headquarters, Menominee Falls, Wisconsin, and also Janesville, Wisconsin. We do have some uh, military stores that are in different states throughout the country, uh, but open invitation for anyone who happens to get into Wisconsin. If you're, in, if you're near the Milwaukee area in particular, please reach out it through either uh, ibvi.org or certainly you could give us a call or email us. You can also check out our Facebook page, which is IBVI. And um, we are always looking so forward to new visitors and, and the opportunity to give a tour because typically when visitors and um, suppliers and other partners, when they see our organization and they get a chance to see the tour and the people and, the, and what's going on there, it's, it's the best possible scenario because that's when people realize the great things that are happening to IBVI. CJ and Deborah, oh, we can't forget Matt. I think that Industries for the Blind and Visually Impaired definitely puts the blind and visually impaired to work and helps the population live happy, healthy, and satisfying lives. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank, Thank you so much. Before we go, listeners, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind, or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website, that's speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. My new email address is speakout at acbradio.org, and my show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking dash out dash four dash dash blind. Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind, where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows, ranging from episode 94 to the present. You may also access the podcast feed at acbradio.org slash softb. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening. And remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. Remember BPI? Oh yeah, Blind LGBT Pride International. They're a special interest affiliate of ACB. Yes, they are the ones doing all these cool things at convention. Guess what they're up to now? Do tell. Their own show. It's called Pride Connection. That's great, but what if I'm not a part of the LGBT community? This is a show for everyone. Actually, non-LGBT and non-disabled folks are known as allies, and they are a huge portion of BPI's membership. Everyone is welcome. So what kinds of topics can I expect from Pride Connection? Fun and relevant topics for everyone, from blindness to LGBT education to 
technology to advocacy. So when will Pride Connection take place? Every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to tune in so we can all connect and learn while having fun. Pride Connection on ACB Radio Mainstream. Hello, David Trot, Treasurer of the American Council of the Blind. It's uh, great to be talking to you. I'd like to talk to you about a couple of programs I've got coming up. The MMS program, which you can join now and be eligible for gifts this summer. And the Braille Forum Raffle. And I always look forward to talking to you. Remember, my email address is my name, David Trot, no dots, no spaces, at charter.net. Thank you. <laughs> 